Hey guys, Sally here. Just wanted to do a quick addendum. No, addendums are at the end. Quick front addendum, whatever that may be called, for this episode. Sorry for the whispering. I'm back in hospital with Willow. So I'm recording this bedside. But I haven't got time to go into that now. Basically wanted to say that the episode you're about to listen to was recorded over Zoom. So please excuse the poor sound quality. And we talked over each other a fair bit. Maybe because it was Zoom. Maybe because I was tipsy when it was being recorded. Who knows? So there's a lot of editing done. Uh, I also edited out about 50 fucks that I said during the episode. So yeah, there's some crappy editing in it, but... You still get the story. All right. Thanks, guys. Enjoy. Welcome to Gin and a Mug podcast, where myself, Sally Rose, and my good friend, Amanda Jane, catch up each week for a debrief. There will be some tough subject and some swearing. You've been warned. But there will also be a lot of laughs. Oh, and a lot of gin. We hope you enjoy. Oh, there we go. Now we've got it working. Hey, Amanda. Hi, Sally. You know, I always swore, Sally, that I would never do a podcast, and yet here I am. La, 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 la. <laughs> Amanda's lost it. Uh, I have. You know, weeping woman, give her a ticket. Kick her in the guts. <laughs> Let's go out. And can't I just sit in my car and cry? It's a bit of a niche. <laughs> bit, of, bit of a bespoke boutique area. You may podcast. just see for us. I swear I have PTSD, and I'm not joking, <laughs> from dealing with the NDIS. The politically correct, comfortable phrase? I believe, Sally, it's called a life-limiting condition. Mm. Hoping for sponsorship? Yeah, just any local gin. If you want us to get drunk on your gin, we will. Um, we're laughing, but that's what we do when we feel like shit. So, um... So, cheers, Sally. Cheers. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Hey Amanda. Hey Sal, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm home. I'm awesome. This uh, for everyone at home is oh fuck part two because we didn't get to finish in hospital because Amanda called it, which I'm very yes. glad she did because I have re-listened to it and it's going out tomorrow. So that means by the time you listen to this, you would have already heard it, which makes it weird. Uh, but. Um, yeah, I don't think you could tell in the recording quite how broken I was. <laughs> I guess we'll find out, Sal. <laughs> I didn't sound that bad, but maybe because I'm still broken, I just can't hear it for myself. But um, So for, to you, gentle listener, we're actually recording this socially distanced tonight. So uh, Sally's at her place. I'm at my place. I have uh, an, a really serious illness. Uh, known as uh, pretend flu, that's official. So I had the one of the joys of being a nurse, or anyone really with a sniffle, but particularly nurses, is that you get COVID swabbed on a regular basis. And so anytime you get a cold or a sniffle, get a COVID swab. And so uh, I've got my results back. I officially don't have COVID, but I do have a pretty uh, feral virus so i'm keeping i my won't distance. let you in my house <laughs> thanks 
You don't want to. <laughs> I know. When I dropped the stuff to Amanda the other day, I uh, left it on the balcony, or not the balcony, but the porch at the front. Yeah. And we went, no, no, come in. I just put it on the porch. And I took yeah. five steps back and we were so, COVID appropriate. We were COVID appropriate. Now I can just hear my son coming in. So we might just uh, do a little pause. Uh-huh. Hi. Hi, uh, parenting at its best. Yeah, we don't have long tonight, but uh, it is night. So I'm two wines in uh, nice. and I'm about to have a gin. But I, And I couldn't get any of this to you because I only just went and got some. And it's called negative. And the way it's written on the Ooh. bottle really hurts my dyslexia. Um, show it to me. On the, we're zooming. So Sal can show me. Show me. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. Yes, go on. Uh, and apparently it's a carbon neutral gin, which I think is amazing. But the thing that's more amazing about it, it's made in Tassie and it's actually like a proper London gin. So you oh, can okay. actually, so it's really dry, like people, is it? yeah, and people get not wanky with because I do like all the different gins, but they're all so complicated now. There's all these different botanicals and this, you can actually taste the juniper berry, which is what I originally loved about gin. And yeah, a, there's a hint. I'm guessing lemon myrtle. I should have read up about it, but I'm sure I can taste lemon myrtle in there too. It's really nice. We better get into this and stop talking about alcohol. We're meant to be talking about, oh, I suppose that interests people as well because they've tuned in because it's uh, gin in a mug. Now, as this stands, what's the date? Let me look at my phone. Oh, 17th of May, lovely. Thank you. Uh, yep. We are at over... 1,800 listeners. Far out. <laughs> and this episode's called Fuck for many reasons. Uh, apparently I read the stats because I'm being pretty locked down and apparently most podcasts in their first 30 days get 141 downloads. We're doing well then. And I think that just speaks to what a forbidden topic this is. And so many of the messages Amanda and I have been getting, there's almost a desperation of relief, if that makes sense. Of- yeah, there's sort of comments have been around, oh, thank God I, I, I've got someone who gets it or I'm not the only one who thinks like this. And that's that's something we've often said to each other, which is like you think something terrible or you you think it's a terrible thing to be thinking or feeling, mm. and so it's and it is that it is that element of being forbidden or um, uh, just deemed wildly inappropriate to state out loud. And when you have a really good friendship like we have, we can just say the terrible thing. But not everyone has that, so that's one of the things this is I think is providing is to let people know that. I, I don't think I'm a terrible person personally, and I know you're not, Sally. <laughs> but the, but what we're talking about and the thing that people feel is a terrible thing to talk about is their fucking child dying. It's yeah, only that's... terrible because it makes other people feel uncomfortable, and that's uh, what we're censoring ourselves for. And I think it's a really con- it's contemporary social issue in terms of, like, we are so separated from death in general. One one of the things that nursing brought to me was a greater contact with the dying process, if you will, uh, and what happens and what goes on. And I realised, because you do this as part of your study, but 
when you're doing nursing or any healthcare profession, but I, I realised how completely separated we were from the process. That I, I actually, I remember asking around, and I didn't know anyone, didn't talk to anyone who'd ever even seen a dead body, mm. even at a funeral. And wow. we're talking about a culture where that that's the norm now. Whereas a hundred years ago or so, people died home in their beds or there was, you know, the process of, of dying and death was not uh, invisible. It, and that's what is, I think, makes, has made contemporary culture so hard around the death of a child or a dying child is that it's not seen. We've had vaccines introduced. We've been very lucky to have good medicine and amazing improvements in water sanitation. So in other parts of the world, what we're experiencing perhaps is not as forbidden or as unusual but in western culture you know i think it's so like the english background that australians have like it's a very you know you just suck it up and get on with it which australia has yeah Yeah. but you know like in um you know i know uh italians they they wear black and and they mourn and and then there's a lot of other cultures where they really let the they grieve properly and and yeah um, I think I'm just going to get all this so wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure it's Irish. They they lay them on the bed, and yeah, everyone comes home and sees them. That's that's from somewhere. I don't know, but that is part of many cultures where they actually lay the body on the bed for a couple of days for the wake. Well, and everyone the, and comes. There's a cultural acceptance around grief and about that ter- bad things happen, and we have such a repressed coping stoic you must be strong culture that you're not it's either that or you have to fall to pieces on a regular basis and let someone swoop in and save you and if you're going to and that's the thing I don't think I'd know how to fall to pieces I don't think I could I don't think I'd know how to and I I've always imagined oh I haven't always imagined since this has happened I've imagined Mm. that it would feel like it is in a movie. And I think we've discussed that before. Mm. And and it's not. That you just No. There's almost um, as a, when, again, touching back to an earlier point we made that with the conditions our kids have, there isn't predictability and you can't say we're at this stage in the process of dying um, because we don't know. And it's almost, I think, again, another cultural thing that we've gotten to the point of everything has to happen at a certain pace or a certain amount of drama for it to be worthy of attention as opposed to the quiet and slow process of living a life until you don't. And or, in our kids' cases, the accelerated process of living until you don't with all its messy glory. But we don't celebrate that. We, We want the insta-worthy, you know, if it bleeds, it leads approach to to grief and to what happens to our kids as opposed to what it actually is, which is repetitive, exhausting, uh, death by a thousand paper cuts for you emotionally as a parent. Oh, I mean, I, there's moments I have with, with my daughter um, where I think about, well, <laughs> Because people know, I had to sort of discuss it. And I sometimes wonder if they think, 
why is she Munchausen by proxy and she's made it up? Because oh. because Madeline's deterioration isn't rapid, but when it what in her case what happens is that she has a burst of deterioration. We've talked about that, the plateaus yeah. and declines. Like you're in a plateau yeah. and I was in a plateau. We were just discussing yeah. plateaus because I was in a fucking right. plateau. And then, and then this goes and happens. I just, I feel like we need to let everyone know the end of the story, which is what we're doing. Let them know that first, yeah. So the, in the last one, she just, had she just had pec surgery? I think she had. If she hadn't, she was just about to. No, she just. Nah, can't quite remember, but go no, for it. No, I think she had. So we went in for a seizure, ended up having pec surgery. And then. Um, Did we explain what the peg was? Yep. You did. Yep. Yep. Done that. You, you did that. And then yeah. um, to give me a break because I was having a bit of a meltdown. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah. So then the paediatrician contacted the mitochondrial team in Melbourne. Yep. And I think we briefly touched on this. And there's not much more to say. But trying a mitococktail. Now, a mitococktail. So what's in that? What is it? Well, it does, it's not as fun as it sounds. So we're not just pumping her full of like, uh, you know, uh, I was going to say. Co- <laughs> yeah, I was going to say sucking cowboys, but we can't say that. Um, but I did. Um, it's, it's not shots. It's not fun. It's not a, you know, apple martini. It is some vitamin Bs, thiamine, B2, which might be thiamine, um, and uh, coenzyme 10. Oh, so they're okay. the, yeah. So when they pulled them out to show me, I went, Oh, that's shit. You buy at Coles. Like, yeah, this is like nothing spectacular, but apparently they can help power the, uh, mitochondrial. So almost like little battery charges. Yeah. Um, so mitochondria convert, um, uh, proteins from, uh, so they convert ATP and ADP. I can't remember. I think it's called the Krebs cycle from memory. I can't remember. Isn't it awful? But basically there's a process that's of energy that's required to convert uh, energy. And so what Sally's talking about is that that conversion process stopping being as efficient as working, which affects cell health and replication, blah, 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 blah. So this, the, So what you're saying is the vitamins and the, co-enzyme cube thingy Mm. wow it is late so they're meant to help that and it's pretty much a let's just see what happens type of thing yeah once it's written on that file it's a bit of a thing but the coenzyme 10 is a little capsule and you've got to cut the top off it theoretically in the hospital they're getting it out with a, a like an actual needle syringe but i've got to cut the top off it squeeze it in and then mix it with some milk um, and the others have to break down. So that's on top of everything else. And now she's on epilepsy meds as well, or any seizure meds. We're not giving her epilepsy. So there's a few more meds in the mix. And then, oh my God. So I think it was the Monday. So we're in there for 12 days all up when I just thought I was going in for a quick checkup and a 24 hour, just watch her. And um, and then the physio, and this is a great thing about being in a small town hospital, is the physio, he's done this before, he's seen her doing her laps, so we always do a couple of yeah. laps at the ward, um, and gone, oh, oh, that's a bit different to last time. 
And then he does all these checks that he does. Now, I have to say he, I don't know even how to say it with him, as much gratitude as what I want. Everything that I needed that visit because he didn't beat around the bush. He gave her so much love and compassion and, and just told me what needed to be done. And then I was like, no, no, but she's right. Because I always think everyone's making too big a deal of everything. I always think, no, they're all just just making, she's not that bad, she's not that bad, everyone's making too big a deal. And he just really like, Sal, she's got to wear her shoes all the time or she's going to fall. <laughs> and it was funny because at the start of the visit, so at, at the start of the week, he was trying to ask me if she had any falls. And I was like, oh, she's had some stumbles. Oh, she's, you know lost her footing a few times. So I thought, was, nah. He goes, so she's had some falls. I'm like, no, they're not falls. And while we're in there, she had a fucking fall in the bathroom. <laughs> of course she did. Oh, and there was, so. there was, and I was in there and she had a walker. She was getting off the toilet. She, like, she had all the things in place, but her legs just gave out. And I had to say to him, and I actually told the nurse, oh, she just had a little stumble and I waited about 20 minutes and I went back over to the nurse because we are in high dependency, so she was in the room. And I went, okay, I have to admit, she had a fall. It was an actual fall. And she went, okay, oh, we'll do an incident report. And I said, I don't don't need all of that, even though we had to. I said, can you just email Marcel and let him know that she had a fall because I couldn't admit it to myself. And and that's what half it's about is admitting it to myself. what happens as well for uh, for any parent um, is because you're in with your child day in day out, and this this decline that occurs, which can be gradual or rapid, but you you see them all day every day, and so the changes happen. But because they're in front of you, you don't. It takes a lot for us to sort of really rate how big the change is. So if someone from outside the immediate family, like a health professional, like the physio you're talking about, has a gap between seeing your child and then observes it. There's something very um, – it's it's two sides of the same coin. There's something about it that's really affirming. It's like, again, that thing of, yeah, okay, no, it's not being made up. Someone else has seen it and like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> It is no. a double-edged sword, so to speak. It's exactly it's affirming, that. It's, it's not the affirming you want. You no. want to be wrong. You and want health professionals to be wrong about this, and they're not. And they're sometimes. not. And then he did it with a um, – he's got this little gadget thing that he uses. I hate if he ever listens to this. That's called, I call it a gadget. Um, it's a dynometer, and it's just a, yeah. a, a like, digital thing that you put on the muscles. And – and I knew it had gone down, like, and I thought the numbers were good, but they weren't. And it's really obvious from last time I did it that they've gone down and it's on the side that I thought it was on. Mm. And, you know, he actually, because she's so stoic and lovely, and he's the only one that she takes her headphones off for. So in hospital. Oh, she, that's impressive. She's allowed to ignore everyone. She doesn't have to use any, ma- oh, she still uses manners, but, I mean, she doesn't have to take her headphones off when someone comes in the room. You just vague out, sweetie. You know, you don't have to acknowledge every man and his dog walking in the room. But he walks in, she takes her headphones off and says hello, and that means a lot. 
he saw her cry for the first time and she's so over it all and so done. And then he saw me cry for the 500th time <laughs> in the whole way. <laughs> um, but just that affirmation, as you said, that it's, it's not all in my head. And I've never wished I was crazy more. You know, that's the weird yeah. thing about it is I wish I was freaking bonkers seeing things or yep and and yeah it was it was a tough one because everything seeing it on the file having a full-blown freaking seizure now she's got the peg oh and hey if someone goes from a nasal gastric to a peg let's just say if you're listening to this don't say hey aren't you glad to get that thing off your face uh oh i can see all your face now and i know people mean that really well but you've now got something dangling out of your abdominum. I can't say abdominum. It's too much. <laughs> abdomen. Abdomen. Yep. And for a kid with think- autism, to have yeah. a tube dangling out of their tummy. It's still a tube coming out of a body that is required in order for her to eat and take medication. So just to wrap it up, Sally, um, I think we both wanted to express an immense amount of gratitude for the good fortune we have to be living in Australia. And I think you had some specific thank yous you wanted to make. Uh, yes. I mean, everyone at the uh, Royal Hobart Hospital, but there's a few staples that keep me sane. And I mentioned Marcel, the physio, um, when we were talking before, and I cannot be more grateful to that man. There's yeah. no bullshit and there's so much kindness, but without too much soppiness, if that makes sense. Sure. It does. <laughs> um, and um, surprisingly, because Amanda knows how non-religious I am, uh, the chaplain at the hospital, she is, and I'm going to say it, a godsend, uh, because even if I don't believe in him, maybe, she, you know, because she does, she's there. I don't know. But that woman is doing what she is meant to do. She So, Sal, like a really good chaplain, that's the point. A good chaplain is uh, is about emotional support. It's not about, you know, putting a tithe in the collection tray and going to church on a Sunday. A chaplain is about taking care of the emotional, spiritual aspect of a person. And that is, uh, that's... They're, count, they're the original counsellor, the original psychotherapist. She's beautiful. You know? And she's also, um, I call her like a conduit because she's in the meetings okay. with all the doctors and the physios and the OTs and everyone have a big meeting in the morning and she's there as well. Do you know what? Chaplains bring the humanity to a situation. Yes. And she really does. Yeah. So she's there yeah. for everyone and she's one of the only people that I will call and say, hey, can you come sit with Will for half an hour? whilst I run over to the shops and I trust her and (laughs) you know how huge that is um, when I go. And I think there's, so in, in summary, what whilst during, at times we have expressed frustration with the system, we've expressed uh, and commented on sometimes lack of communication, but I just, I think both of us and as Sally has has just said so, so clearly, are just so damn grateful for the people that provide the support, the care and the love, and it is love, in through their work in caring for our children. 
So mm. thank you. Oh, and I didn't say the peed because I went thought that oh, went without saying. She's amazing too. She is absolutely amazing and she has also made it extremely clear. She's not yeah. she's following this through. Um and and that that means the world. I think Absolutely. I said that previously. I don't know anymore. But um, it's tiring. It's like <laughs> and you need to go and parent, co-parent. And, I, and I've uh, and I've had my negative gin. So uh, <laughs> you're feeling no pain. <laughs> I'm feeling all the pain, but I can't say. And I've got all the words now. So there's too many words. We've got to stop. Ah! All right. Good night, Sally. Good night, night. listeners. Good night, listeners. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Gin and a Mug. Jump onto our Facebook group and let us know what you thought. There's also the Patreon. Feel free to chuck a few bucks in there if you want to support our gin habit or if you want us to pay an editor to make this sound less shit. But most importantly, if this episode has brought up any issues for you, we've put the link in the show notes to Beyond Blue, Lifeline and Carers Australia. Make sure you keep talking. Big love to you all.